Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning. I'm just so glad to join you once more and we welcome all of us here as we worship the Lord together, whether you are here at Woodlands, online, wherever you are, or at Bukit Panjang or East Centre. And this year we've been uh, going through a series of messages based on First and Second Thessalonians as we prepare ourselves to meet King Jesus. So first of all, can you give a big hand to all our preachers and preaching team for taking us through the series? Thank you so much for all the hard work and effort. Now, can you also turn to your neighbour and tell your neighbour, last one already, okay? Last one already. Alright, turn with me please to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to begin at verse 9, which was actually the verse of passage that kicked us off for the series at the start of the year. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9. We are into the December holiday period and uh, for some of us, we've either travelled already overseas or for some of us, we're looking forward to travel overseas or take our road trips. Now, I came across a news article, this was in January 2013, about 10 years ago, where there was a 67-year-old woman who was from Belgium and she had planned to drive to Brussels to pick up her friend. So it's about a 120-kilometre trip. But what she did not expect was instead of driving to Brussels, she ended up driving to Croatia. Not 120 kilometers away, but 1,500 kilometers. What in the world happened? I mean, this journey apparently took her across five international borders and she kept going until Zagreb, which is the capital of Croatia. So when she was interviewed, she told the reporter that I was distracted so I kept going. I saw all kinds of signs, road signs, first in French, then in German, and finally in Croatian. And, but I continued driving because I was distracted. When I passed Zagreb, the capital of Croatia, I told myself I should turn around. Distracted. Now, regardless of where we are heading for our holidays or to our road trips, regardless of where we stay in Singapore or different parts of the world, the Bible tells us that all of us in Christ are bound for one destination called heaven. Can we say amen? And we all know that And when we finally reach there, when Jesus comes at His second coming and takes us to be with Him, it will be so breathtaking that words will fail us when we see and hear what's happening in heaven. There was a little girl who was taking an evening walk with her, her, her dad and saw all the stars in the sky and said to her dad that, Oh, Daddy, if this side, the wrong side of heaven is so beautiful, imagine how beautiful the right side of heaven is. And as we search the scriptures, it gives us a glimpse, for example, of the streets of gold, the pearly gates, the river that runs through the city. It is a place, the Bible says, that there'll be myriads of angels that, that we can't even describe how glorious the scene will be around the throne where Jesus will be seated. And it's a place of no more where there's no more sunlight or moonlight because the Lord Himself will be our light. There's no more grief, meaning that all our pains and trauma on this side of life will be a thing of the past. 
there'll be no more sin. In other words, if we have been struggling with lust, with anger, with fears, we no longer take them with us to heaven. There'll be no more decay. Our bodies will be so fully upgraded and brand new all the time. There'll be no more cholesterol stuck in our arteries. Okay, no more knee replacement surgeries. No more kidney dialysis. Can we say hallelujah? We all know that's the picture we have, but somehow along the way, along the way, our, our GPS on this side of life gets a bit faulty and we start veering as though our destination has diverted. So now that the school re- exam results are out and some more will be released, we may unconsciously find ourselves more concerned about our children's exam grades than their character formation. Or we may be more excited or more eager to gather with our friends to watch the World Cup than gather as a spiritual family to spur one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Or we more engrossed trying to finish our episodes on Netflix to see our favourite stars than to be coming into God's presence to meet the star of heaven, the Lord Jesus himself. Confession. Sue and I have been watching K-drama. We started with a hospital playlist, seasons one and two. We are at the tail end of uh, Extraordinary Attorney Wu. <laughs> Pastor Edmund, you're quite slow, huh? <laughs> now, by all means, God gives us all things to enjoy on this side of life, yes? But listen now to what Randy Alcorn says in his book, Heaven, and I quote just a passage of this. This is what Randy Alcorn says. That nothing is more often misdiagnosed than our homesickness for heaven. We think that what we want is sex, drugs, alcohol, a new job, a race, a doctorate, a spouse, a large screen TV, a new car, a cabin in the woods, a condo in Hawaii. What we really want is the person we were made for, Jesus, the place we were made for, heaven. Nothing less can satisfy us. Or in the words of C.S. Lewis, that if I find in myself a desire that nothing in this world satisfies, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. We learn in IDT that where we live determines how we live, right? Where we live determines how we live. And therefore, in light of being heaven-bound as disciples of Jesus, where we'll meet Jesus, our King, and our loved ones who have fallen asleep in Him, how should living heaven-bound change the way we live now? I want to suggest as First and Thessalonians unfolds and as the summary, there are at least two ways that are non-negotiable to indicate that this is how we live while we are heaven-bound. Here's the first. If we are heaven-bound, therefore we latch on to what's true rather than what's trending. What's true rather than what's trending. So I'm going to give us just a few word pictures that First Thessalonians paints for us, how, how the Thessalonian Christians respond to the word or to the gospel. Okay, so First Thessalonians chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 6. Now this was how Paul was boasting about their spiritual life, how they were converted. Okay, so chapter 1, verse 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You receive the word. Now, the, the word picture here given to receive is not take and put somewhere. 
Okay? But the whole idea of granting full access. So, for example, if you're working in the office, the doorbell is rung and there's a visitor outside, but you need security clearance, right? And you tap the button on the inside so that the person can be given access into a secure area. Granting full access. And as, as the word is granted full access, the second picture here is to welcome, to welcome as though it is a new member of your family, be it an adorable new baby or a new puppy. You receive the word. Now, the second word picture is this now. Second, oh, sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. Okay. And I'm going to just invite us to read that together, especially if you have the ESV version together now on the screen. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Now, it's a different word in the original for receive, but essentially the whole idea here is that once you have well, you've granted full access, you welcomed it in, now you attach it to yourself as your companion wherever you go wherever, okay? So do you see the word pictures now? Grant full access, welcoming it in, and then you super glue it to you, no matter where you go, on this side of life. And when that happens, the Bible tells us, verse 13, the word was at work among you or in you. It gives us a picture. This is where we get the word in English, energize. So when that happens, the word is doing something in us by the Holy Spirit. It, I, I can think of no other analogy except maybe when you put your power cable into your handphone. There, there is a spiritual battery search that takes place. Now, what was taking place when it was at work among the Thessalonian Christians? When they first received the word in chapter 1, they received it with joy. Do you know how irrational that is? It makes no sense because they were under religious pressure for their faith. They should be either feeling fear, feeling discouragement, or feeling depressed. But here they were having irrational joy because it was the power of the Spirit at work when the Word of God energizes them. Now, when we cross over now to 2 Thessalonians, okay, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, here were the Christians in this city, they were being badly shaken because there was fake news going around that the second coming already happened and they thought, oh dear, we missed the last train. Okay, and so, so the picture given to us is that they were like a sampan tossed about by a tsunami, about to capsize. They were shrieking at the top of their voice for their dear life because they thought they missed it. But Paul tells them that's fake news, and then he tells them now here, chapter 2, verse 15, okay? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, if you can read that with me. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold on to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Hold on. The picture here is to grab somebody and not let this person go. When you arrest somebody, for example, do you see the word pictures now in latching on to what's true, in this case, God's word? Granting full access, welcoming in, in super gluing it to you in your spiritual journey, hold on to it and never let it go because your faith depends on it. Latching on to what's true rather than what's trending. In 1987, there was a pilot by the name of Henry Dempsey. He was flying a commuter flight from uh, Portland to Boston. 
he heard a strange sound at the rear of the aircraft, so he handed over control to his co-pilot, went to the back of the aircraft to check. What he did not know was that the back door of the aircraft was not latched properly. So when he was at the back of the aircraft, they hit an air pocket, and so the, the, the rear door got open, and then he got sucked out of the jet. So when, when the co-pilot saw that the instrument panel had a red light to indicate that the rear door was open, he quickly signaled to the nearest airport for emergency landing, reported that the pilot is now out of the aircraft somewhere, and requested for emergency to search the area in the sea or the ocean. What they did not realise was that by the time they landed at the nearest airport, they found the pilot, Henry Dempsey. There was an external ladder at the rear of the aircraft and somehow when he got thrown out of the aircraft, he managed to reach and, and grab hold of that ladder and hang on for dear life. So there he was flying for that 10 minutes at about 350 km per hour, which is three times faster than our speed when we drive on the north-south highway. And he was flying at 4,000 feet and when he landed, when it touched the ground, he had to keep his head or, or tuck himself in to prevent himself from hitting the floor. And he suffered some cuts and bruises, but what the rescue team uh, found was that when they tried to extricate or pull him out of the ladder, it took them minutes to pry his hands open to remove him. He was holding on so tightly because his entire life depended on it. My friends, this is the picture that God gives us in the Scriptures now what it means to latch on to what's true rather than what's trending. Because as we await eternity to be with Jesus, what's true is timeless for all of our life. But what's trending is transient. What's true is timeless for all of our lives, including in eternity. But what's trending is transient. The challenge for us in and. I know it's an uphill climb for all of us, myself included, because we live in, in a world that can be very attractive, that visually, the, the sights and sounds that we see, more so when we keep having a device with us and, and we tend to gravitate towards what's trending rather than what's true. To the latest videos on, on YouTube or TikTok, to the, the news feeds on social media, to the most recent scores on World Cup, so on and so forth, these things attract us and, and we are so-called enamoured by them. I'd like us to read now very briefly what's on the screen by Jeff Minji. Now, Jeff Minji wrote in a book called Discipleship. He was one of the contributors, and this is what he discovered. Okay? That the world of scrolling, the news and social media, hardly builds depth. Scrolling by nature keeps us on the surface, always consuming tasty treats, but rarely nourished by anything satisfying. The scrolling soul spends countless hours searching what sort of satisfaction that can only be found in Christ. Scrolling shrivels our, your soul, my soul, as it pulls it in a thousand different directions. It distracts us from the greatest object our souls could ever love and the most glorious truths our eyes and ears could ever behold. Our scrolling is not neutral. Let me say that again. Our scrolling is not neutral. You and I are becoming something. Your search history tells a story about your soul. Careless scrolling often exposes our folly, and it breeds discontentment. 
the parade of spectacles never ends. Scrolling discourages deep delight. The restless scrolling soul constantly asks, Am I entertained? Am I liked? Am I amused? While the heaven-bound soul asks, Am I holy? Am I loved by God? Am I satisfied in Him? Don't let your soul get sucked into the vanity of an aimless, scrolling wasteland where paths lead everywhere, but never to that place of rest and joy. The restless, scrolling soul asks, Am I entertained? Am I liked? Am I amused? The heaven-bound soul asks, Am I holy? Am I loved by God? Am I satisfied in Him? Here are the practical handles I want to suggest for us if we are to latch on to what's true. It has helped me, it has helped different ones, and I want to just offer that to us. Okay? Consider having a hard copy Bible instead of a digital one. Because for some reason, a hard copy Bible, a hard copy journal forces us not just to slow down but to center down. We don't have to deal with the pop-ups, the notifications on our phone. And, and there's something about flipping the pages I, I cannot explain or replicate. Now, for, for those of us who do need a device because your journal is in there, so for example, I use a, an app for my journal, consider putting it to flight mode. Okay? According to Bishop Rennes, flight mode takes us closer to heaven. Okay? Now, while we are commuting to and from work, wherever you go, I, I know for, for us, we enjoy, you know, just going through social media, drama, you know, and, and computer games. Now, we do that to distress. While that does distress us, here's what I discover. After the distress is over, distress, sorry, not distress. After the distress is over, our souls end up in the same place still. Malnourished. What if we take that time to read from a classical author like A.W. Tozer? that paints for us the grandeur of God for us to recapture the awe and wonder? What if we listen to sermon podcasts, audio Bible, worship music? What if we take that time for scripture memory? Because these are practical ways we keep granting the word access, we keep welcoming it in, we keep super gluing it and holding it on until we see Jesus. We latch on to what's true instead of what's trending. Here's the second way we express that we are heaven-bound. We labour for gospel advancement instead of personal fulfilment. Gospel advancement instead of personal fulfilment. So if we go back to 1 Thessalonians, okay, 1 Thessalonians, at the start of the letter, after Paul gives the initial greetings, this is what he boasts about the young Thessalonian Christians, about their spiritual life. Okay? Chapter 1, verse 2, 1 Thessalonians. And this is what Paul says, that we give thanks, and his uh, companions, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So you notice he says, I boast about these three aspects I see happening, growing, flourishing in you. Your faith, your love, and your hope. And at the end of the letter in chapter 5, he goes back to these three things or three aspects again. Chapter 5, verse 8, he tells them that in these end times be sober and you put on as a breastplate love and faith and you put on as a helmet 
the hope of salvation. So it seems, at least to me, that faith, love, and hope is like the executive summary of 1 Thessalonians. And he unpacks that by saying your faith is flourishing during persecution. Well done. Your love for one another is increasing by the way you combat lust and laziness together. You, and, and stay anchored in the hope even though you hear all these rumours of, of the Lord's coming and your loved ones have passed on. Stay anchored in the hope of Jesus' coming. Now, do you notice in faith, love and hope, two out of three of them has to do with work? your work of faith and your labour of love. Labour gives a picture of toil to the point of almost exhaustion. What were they working so hard for? Gospel advancement. Paul sets the tone and the pace for them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. This is how he describes himself, Silas and Timothy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. If you can read that with me on the screen. For you remember, brothers, together, our labour and toil, we work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Notice almost same words now, labour, toil, work. So here was Paul setting the tone and the pace for them by being a tent maker. It was literal. It's not just some, some figure of speech that's nice to say about Paul. He was using his hands to sew pieces of cloth or animal uh, skin together to make temporary shelters. Why was he doing that? In the city of Corinth where he was, there was a famous sports festival that scores of athletes and spectators would come. And therefore there was demand. So he was doing this day in, day out, except on Sabbath day where he was teaching at the synagogue. Why did he do this when he was entitled to be supported financially by the Thessalonian Christians? Because they were under persecution. And he didn't want to burden them any further. And so he did that on his own accord to finance the gospel ministry by his own income. In contrast now to those, he says, in the church who are meddlers. Now, most translations say idlers. I prefer the word meddlers because they're not doing nothing. They were doing the wrong thing. They were actually disrupting the community from his mission. And why were these meddlers disrupting? They were either, for example, thinking that, oh, the second coming is really so soon, right? Then work for what? Everything's going to go back to square one, right? Or they were involved in this practice in Rome called Roman patronage where they skive or they siphon from those of high net worth rather than have a healthy biblical work ethic. And I suggest to us they were possibly influenced by the philosophy of the Greeks in those days because Greek philosophers believed that work, especially with your hands, is the low life, is a curse that they want to avoid like a plague. Now, can you shout out the answer, okay? Biblically speaking, from what we know of the Scriptures. Did work happen before or after the fall? Okay? Either be, is it before or after the fall? One, two, three. This might be surprising for us. Huh? You notice before the fall, Adam had already been placed in the garden to tend the garden and to rule with God. In other words, here was the picture of work that was intended for us. 
where there is a divine allotment. For Adam, it was the Eden in the garden. Out of that divine allotment, there is a divine assignment where we represent Jesus well. We enforce values of righteousness, justice, compassion, mercy, integrity in whatever sectors and industries, people, groups, or whoever God may place you. Out of that, there will be divine appointments by which God will lead you to people He wants you to influence, to reach, to bless, and out of which divine, divine advancement. Divine allotment, divine appointment, divine assignment, divine advancement. Work was intended by God to be part of life, not simply part of the fall. Sure, after the fall, the Bible says that they have to work with toil right, and by the sweat of their brow. But notice now when God invites the church of Jesus Christ to work with Him, even if it's laboring, here's the good news. Here's the good news, okay? We do not work alone, and we work for a greater reason than simply our personal fulfillment. Now, the challenge for us as Singaporeans is this. Huh? The problem is not that we don't work hard, right? We actually work too hard. Now, according to research of different countries, guess where Singapore ranks in being the most overworked in the world as a city? We were number two, and I think we dropped two places to number four recently, but we're still one of the top few in the city. And not only are we overworked, we are also underslept. Okay? Uh, apparently, we are ranked number three out of the world in terms of sleeping the least among all the cities in the world. And apparently, it seems that for every four of us here seated, one of us, only one of us, have seven hours of sleep. Okay? And... Yeah, something, huh? Okay, so, so even for those of us with seven hours of sleep, you find that when you wake up, you may not feel refreshed and ready, right? You might feel tired because the sleep is disrupted, which happens to me. But here's the good news. When God invites us to work for something bigger than just our personal fulfillment, there is something bigger God is doing amongst us in the kingdom. Now, in our world today, in our world today, we realize that what motivates us to work now is going to be quite different for different generations. So for the older generations, including myself, the, the boomers and the Gen Y, we tend to be more um, so-called motivated in the past, at least by the five Cs. Okay? The cash, credit, uh, condo, credit card, and country club. But recent news is showing us now, for the younger generation, be it the Gen Zs okay, or younger, they, they have a different idea of what should motivate them. So let me just quote from this article. Okay, they want, and including millennials, they want to be able to make a difference. They want to be able to have a seat at the table. They want to be able to be seen and be heard. Young Singaporeans were looking for experiences and opportunities for growth in their jobs and were less focused on pay. That was one year ago. Now, two months ago, again on, on the Today newspaper, Singaporeans are looking inwards and gaining satisfaction from self-improvement or from doing good in the world instead of material wealth or rise in social standing. The circumstances and means to achieving a better life have changed. Hard work and career progression are no longer the best way to achieve a better life. Material wealth is no longer the mark of success, some of the millennial panelists said. Now, for example, this uh, lady by the name of Miss Katie Shi, who founded this company, said that it was about gaining fulfillment and pride in her achievements instead. Do you notice? The motivation has shifted now to gaining fulfillment and pride in achievements. But for us as disciples of Jesus, if we are heaven-bound, something greater should motivate us beyond personal fulfillment, beyond the accumulation of wealth, gospel advancement. 
and in our so-called overworked, underslept world. Here's the good news, my friends, the good news. If you turn with me to 2 Thessalonians now, 2 Thessalonians, when Paul the Apostle talks about work again, of the Thessalonian Christians, okay? At the start, he again praises them for how they are growing in their faith and their love. That seems to be like the executive summary again at chapter 1, verse 2. But right down at chapter 1, verse 11, chapter 1, verse 11, he says this to them, that to this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by your effort. Take care of yourself. Don't call us, we'll call you. That's not what verse 11 says. Every work of faith by His power. Therefore, meaning... Tiring as it sometimes can be, but because there is a bigger purpose to why we work for gospel advancement, God will see to it that He turns up. Amen? He will see to it that He will do above and beyond what our lacks, our lack and what our limits allow. Last Sunday morning at about 6 plus a.m., I was zipping back from JB from the Men's Breakthrough Weekend to join the team at BPJ Centre for Sunday Ministry. And here I was half awake, and, and the hotel has arranged a taxi for me to get back as soon as possible. And I know that every time I'm with a cab driver or taxi driver, I only have one shot. Because in all likelihood, I will not see this person again. And so I was praying that the Lord would give me a divine appointment, teach me what to say, how, how to do it. And as I entered the cab, as we were moving along, because it was Sunday morning, I found out more about his family, what he, what he used to do and all that. And I, and I asked him, do you and your family go to church on Sunday morning? He said, oh, we don't because we are from another faith or another religion. So I, I, I asked, do you mind if I share with you what Christians believe? He said, oh, sure, since we had time, right? And so I basically said that, you know, for Christians, our, it's not a religion. It's actually a relationship with God. And this relationship with God is broken because of our sin. We've chosen to live apart and without Him. And the Bible tells us judgment is coming and, and God came in the person of Jesus to repair the relationship by going to the cross so that our sins are forgiven. And He promises us a brand new start and He proved it by three days later rising from the grave to tell us that there is a newness of life and we're invited to be reconciled with Him in this newness of life. So when the, the taxi finally reached uh, the car park of BBJ Centre, I asked him, do you mind if I pray for you? Okay, I just want to pray that uh, for your, your health, your safety, and, and all that. He doesn't know I'm a pastor. And, and, and he said, oh, sure, sure, that's, uh, that's fine. And that's what he did. He put his hands together and bowed his head waiting to be prayed for. Pre-believer. And so I pray a very short prayer, Lord. You know, keep him safe, uh, keep him in good health. I pray also he'll come to know you, Jesus. When I said, in Jesus' name, amen, this is what he said. Thank you, Jesus. Pre-believer. I share this because I believe, friends, there are people that God will put in your heart, in your life along the way. That there are times like for myself, I was half awake, my brain was not connecting Sunday morning and God was doing beyond what I was able to do physically. There will be people I believe God will put into our path, into our journey that He, he will open their hearts way beyond what we can. And He invites us to do our part, what we can, while He does the rest. And labour for gospel advancement, we must. 
Because if you see the signs of the times, the writing is already on the wall. We see the geopolitical tensions, how, how the superpowers are relating to one another. We, we see, for example, the earthquakes. The, the number just keeps increasing in frequency. Yesterday, another reported in Indonesia. We see the climate crisis coming to a point, which is called the tipping point, or the point of no return. The writing is already on the wall. Pastor Kai said this in our, one of our leaders' meetings as we were talking about this, and this is what he said, that the world is ripe for judgment. The world is ripe for judgment. But here's also the good news, my friends. The world is ripe for harvest. Because I believe God will place in our hearts, into our paths, people that He's going to make ready. Now, ever since COVID, Covenant as a church family was directed to reach and bless a group of people we didn't think of before COVID. These are our migrant brothers. Regardless of whether they speak Chinese, because they're from China, they speak Tamil, they speak uh, Bangladeshi, or the different languages, here are our migrant brothers or workers who have come all the way from their home countries, laboring and toiling day in, day out under the sun, clothes drenched. They go back to dormitories to stay and rest in conditions we can't imagine, nor ever want for our children. And here we are as a spiritual family to say that here we are going uh, as CGs or covenanters, laboring for their salvation. I am very happy to report to us as a spiritual family, as a church family, that ever since we started doing that, more than 150 of our migrant brothers have come to faith in Jesus. Can we give thanks and praise to God? Because the harvest is ready. More than a third of them already are baptized. In fact, another one happened just last evening. This is what God is doing amongst us. If we are prepared to say, God, with my limited time, with my limited energies, here's what I can do by your help. And I'm trusting and believing you to do what I can't, and you do the rest. Now, the ball is in our court now in December, where there's going to be a series of outreaches as a church family we are organizing because God desires that none should perish. This is what we call open season, where everybody's celebrating Christmas. Even as I speak this morning, the Filipino domestic workers outreach is happening at Wood Square. Next Sunday is the Indonesian domestic helpers outreach. We're going to have a Christmas service here at our three centres, which we're going to invite our pre-believing friends and family. We're going to reach out to our migrant workers on the same day, so on and so forth. And I'm going to invite you to prayerfully consider as we put a QR code up again, as Pastor Tony has urged us, appealed to us last week, who are those God has put in your heart, in your path, that you can start praying and connecting and inviting? Who are those God has placed in your heart, into mind, names and faces, that you can start praying for, connecting and inviting? And as we do our small part in laboring for gospel advancement, we are believing God together that every work of faith will be by His power. Amen? Let me close with this final story. In AD 79, the famous city of Pompeii, Pompeii in Italy, was utterly destroyed by a volcanic eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Scores of people were buried alive, essentially. And what apparently was surprising was that it seemed that 1,000 years later, they found the remains of a Roman soldier at the city gate. And this Roman soldier was still holding on to his weapon at the city gate. 
Because apparently, that was where he was stationed and asked to be by his commander-in-chief or his captain. And so when the ashes and when the cinders started to overflow the city, when people were buried, rather than running away for his dear life, he was holding on and keeping faithful until the very end. You see, my friends, one day, one day, not only a famous city, but the entire world will come to an end. And until then, until that time the Lord Jesus returns and calls us home to be with Him in undescribable glory in heaven, God invites us, keep holding on to this. Hang on to it for your dear life. Keep holding on to this because it has power to do damage to darkness. And keep fulfilling your mission and your divine assignment well until that day when I say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. So church family, before we sing this song together, as our prayer now, desire now, to ask God to open our eyes to see unseen eternal things, to stir our hearts again with glimpses of glory. What is that one word, my friends, that one phrase that God is putting upon your heart and into your spirit? Something God is reminding you, asking you to pay attention to, asking you to act upon. I'm going to invite you some time right now on our own to respond to Him and allow that to sink in before we respond together. ask the church family to respond together and I'm going to pray a prayer my dear friends to allow us to express that desire to say God I'm easily distracted in this life and I stand with you and my heart can be easily gravitated to become more earth bound and heaven bound and you desire to ask the Lord to realign our hearts again and here's how the prayer goes. And if you, if you are praying this with me, after this, I'm going to invite you just to put up your hand up high. I'm going to pray with you before we invite another group to respond. Here's how this prayer goes. Lord Jesus, I confess I've been distracted. On this earth, I see the sights that dazzle, the sounds that enchant, the technology that entertains. But you've made me for yourself. And my heart is restless until I find rest in you. And therefore, by your grace and spirit, draw me nearer. Give me a new hunger, a new longing for eternal things. For heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will never pass away. Take me deep into your word again. Open my eyes to behold wonderful things in your law that my heart may be burning once more. And I recapture the awe and wonder 
of being co-heir with Jesus, seated in the heavenly places. If that's your prayer unto the Lord, I'm going to just invite you to put up your hand up high. I just want to acknowledge it. Yes, the Lord sees your hand. My hand is up as well because that's my prayer. So wherever you are, be it here at Woodlands, Bukit Panjang, East Centre, online, from home. Eternal God, our Father, you see all these hands raised to you, but beyond the hands, the hearts raised to you. And we ask, O oh Lord, by your grace, now realign our hearts. Lord, do in it what we cannot do for ourselves, so that beyond just the spiritual disciplines, there is a delight in you. Beyond the spiritual disciplines, Lord, there is a desire to reconnect with God and taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed are those who trust in Him. Put that into our soul, soul all over again, O oh Lord. Thank you. you. may put your hands down. And as we continue this time of prayer, I want to make an invitation to some of us. This may be your first time here or you may have come before, but you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. And you hear this morning that the world is ripe for judgment. It is coming, but God invites you to relationship with Him and live with Him. And if that's your prayer, I'm going to invite you to pray this with me. And if that's you, to raise up your hand up high. I'm going to acknowledge you, pray with you. Okay? And then we're going to move on to respond together. Now, here's how this prayer goes. Lord Jesus, you came from heaven on that first Christmas to save us from a world that's under judgment. Judgment because of our sin. And one day, you will make a new heavens and a new earth and all things new. I confess I'm a sinner in need of your rescue. I ask that you come into my life as Lord and Saviour. Lead me. Energize me that in this fallen and broken world, I may taste the joy of being yours and tell others about my King who is coming again. My dear friend, if that's you, through that short prayer, asking Jesus in your life for the very first time, you came here not a Christian, even if you're online, can I invite you just to put up your hand up high right where you are? Whether you're here at this centre, east or at Bukit Panjang, can you just put up your hand up high right where you are? I'm going to acknowledge you so that someone can be in touch with you at the other centres as well. If you're online, there's going to be a QR code that will come up. We invite you to scan it so that we can be in touch with you. Anyone, before we move on. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you that every time the Scriptures are open, you summon, you woo us, you invite us into relationship with you because you came that we may have life and have it to the full. Therefore, we ask for our friends and guests that, Lord, they will taste and know what a joy it is to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour and the seed planted today, the Word in their hearts today, what they have heard, what they have received will continue to be, Lord, granted access, welcome in, attached to them until the day they call upon you. We give you thanks, we ask this in Jesus' name and we say together, Amen. The people 
listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.